Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 74, Corona Abroad, the global coronavirus episode. We're broadcasting live, well, live for us, for me, from the power of change, worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia, and live for our guests from literally all over the globe. This is a special episode where we are going to connect today with friends from all over planet Earth here on the underground. These are guys that kind of flow and oper- operate in an underground flavor. Um, some of them are world-famous bankers and Parisians, but uh, we are super glad that they've joined us today. So I'm going to introduce our guests one by one and have them say a little shout-out maybe about their people as we begin, but live, well, live for him from London, Londinium, is my good friend Brent Malcolm. I'm calling you Brent the Banker today. Brent, take a minute to introduce yourself and your people. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. As Reed said, uh, my name is Brent Malcolm. Uh, we've got a, a team of four here in London. My wife Tara and I have been married now for almost 10 years. We'll be celebrating 10 years in about a month and a half. I have two sons as well, uh, a boy, Pearson who's three and a half years old, and then our youngest son, uh, Theodore. We call him Theo. Uh, he's nine months old. And so, um, so yeah, we've uh, been in London now for three years. Um, met Reed uh, as part of our Jacobs Wall community in New Jersey and have been uh, good friends with, uh, with Reed now for, for close to 10 years. Brent is the guy that introduced to me to soccer pain uh, by inviting me into professional soccer fandom and supporting a team and our team's mediocre, but he thinks they're the best in the world still. And so we experienced that pain together. 10 years, Brent, that's quite an accomplishment. You are now able to be a marriage mentor at Jacobs. Well, how's that feel? It feels good. I can't believe it's, it's already almost been 10 years, but um, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready for the mentorship role yet, but yeah, we've had a, a good run together. Tara and I, it's been, it's been fun. Well, this week I could teach people how to fight with your wife, but that's probably not the best thing for me to be teaching. Well, live for him from Paris is my good friend, Paul Helms. I'm calling you Parisian Paul, which is original. I heard today. Nobody's gone there yet. I have take a minute, Paul, to introduce yourself and your folk. All right. <clears throat> well, yes, my name is Paul Helms and, uh, my wife, Abby, and Reed, you actually married us on a New Jersey farm. In a light uh, rain. Com- coming up on, yeah, the little light rain. Uh, Luck of the Irish, that was nine years ago. Wow. Uh, as, as of this August. And so we're a little bit behind Britain Tara, but also we're part of Jacob's Well. And uh, went back to Tennessee in 2014 and now are in Paris with our three kids as of this past August. So we have Abby, my wife, Silas, our oldest, uh, Ollie, our daughter, and then baby Lewis, who's coming on four years old now. So, baby Lewis is he named after Clive? Uh, he is named after C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow! Congratulations, Paul. I would let you uh, at nine years into the marriage mentoring of young uh, married couples because you. we respect we can, you. We can, we can tell people what not to do. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. And live, live for him from a Southern Asian megapolis is my good friend, JT. We're calling him JT today. Uh, JT, take a quick minute to share a little bit, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, really, thanks, man. It's great to connect with you again. Um, I am here in with my family in a large uh, Southern Asian city of 23 million people. Uh, we, uh, uh, my wife and I have been married for the last uh, 15 years. And so the last 15 years, we've lived in a city in the Midwest in the U.S. And so we moved to the city to plant a church. 
three months ago, and so it is uh, pretty. Uh, we're pretty new here. We got three kids, two boys and a little girl, and we're here with a few of our friends. And we have been uh, working towards planning a church, planning a church in the midst of a pandemic. So that is uh, what we're doing. And uh, again, I've known Reed for the, for the past few years now, so it's great to be here and connect with you, brother. Fantastic. Uh, JT! Hey, it's great to have everyone. Just, uh, I was telling these guys before we started how thankful I was I didn't have to get them up at 3 a.m. in order to be on a call together. I didn't even have to get up early because of the time we started this. It was kind of perfect, uh, perfect timing. So thank you guys for your time and keeping, uh, keeping your family off of the Netflix or whatever so we can have a clear internet connection. At least that's what I'm doing with my kids. Um, but fantastic uh, to hear Paul and JT are kind of brand new to your context, right? You're brand new in your cities. Uh, that that has to be somewhat of an interesting experience to be kind of new on the ground internationally and then a pandemic hits. Uh, either one of you guys can go first. I know I'm going a little out of order. How has it been being new to town? Paul, how about you go first? New to town with a pretty sizable family. I, I guess in Paris, you have a big family, probably weird American, all them kids. Um, how has it yeah, been yeah. being brand new there in, in a pandemic? Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to answer the question because, um, you know, you, you get into this situation and all of a sudden you feel like you're not because you're stuck in an apartment in confinement. And we, we've been talking, Abby and I, and it, it, even last night, you know, it, it almost feels like we're not in France. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet, yeah, we are, obviously. And uh, but, you know, in, in Paris, you know, we live in a neighborhood that's close to the Arc de Triomphe. Uh, and I can go look at that if I want to. But if, if you're not looking at the Seine River and the Eiffel Tower, sometimes even if you don't get out of the neighborhood, you feel like you're not in Paris. Wow. And then you go downtown, you go downtown and you remember and you and you feel thankful again for God calling us here. But uh but yeah, it you know we had just been begun to get our bearings uh, around you know six seven months, and uh, and then all of a sudden this just forces you into uh, a not great situation where you can't leave that often. And you're and you're being told not to leave, and you're in a foreign country that you're really still not totally adjusted to. Yeah, and so it's just yeah it's just a strange situation. But we have felt God's grace uh, providing everything we need and. Uh, I will say, you know, as as far as families go, we do have a large family. Uh, we've been blessed with a much larger apartment than most families our size have, uh, just because of some friend of a friend who uh, rented to us at a at a lower rate than they could have charged. And so, in that sense, we're really thankful that we do have a little bit of space. But by American standards, we're still we're cramped. Yeah. By American yeah. standards, so just making the most of it, you know. Yeah, but it is it's a strange feeling being on lockdown in another country when, you know, I think a lot of us want to retreat into home right. uh, and that feeling of home. And then that makes confinement not so bad. Right. We, you know, we can't exactly do that as like we would in Tennessee, uh, and, you know, and Paris is, you know, world famous for, you know, wanting, you know, Americans <laughs> being offended if you don't speak the language. I know you speak a little French and probably pretty well now, and Abby was in the midst of language acquisition courses, um, even that with a linguistic issue. I mean, you can go get your baguette and look at Napoleon's big Arc de Triomphe. Um, but do you feel isolated linguistically at all? Yeah, you know, and that's another, since moving here, I have 
definitely gotten much better with my French. And there are days when I can fool people into thinking I know more than I do. Uh, <laughs> but then as you get a little further in, Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, <laughs> you, be- you begin to realize how far you have to go. And that is an isolating feeling. Yeah. So when you, when you feel like, oh, look, I'm actually decent at this. And yet I'm still so far from real fluency. That can be an isolating feeling, even though you're really good at getting baguettes and, <laughs> and which by the way, which by the way, you can still get baguettes and people do. And I have, I have gone to the bakery. That's one of our comforts here yeah. in uh, lockdown is to walk right downstairs across the little street next to us and get one of the really good baguettes that they have or, or desserts for the kids. But, uh, but yeah, for Abby, it's even, it's even a little worse just yeah. because she felt like she had just begun and she had to stop her language learning yeah. uh, pretty wow. abruptly. Yeah, man, I can imagine. I, I would have to learn baguette avec le beurre because um, that, that butter over there is fantastic. Um, butter yeah. doesn't always come. Doesn't? Oh, gee. Uh, you'd be surprised at the restaurants that would give you bread but no butter. And I asked one time, and the waiter just scoffed at me. Yeah, because the bread is good enough <laughs> you can- for you. Well, thanks, Paul, man. Uh, adjustments are interesting and certainly um, – uh, JT, you are adjusting to a city that's slightly larger than mine. Obviously, I, I lived almost a decade in New York City metro uh, where we have many, many friends. Actually, it's uh, one of the more serious areas uh, with the virus in America now, and certainly our hearts go out to uh, our friends, some of some of which are infected now, um, which was a large metropolis, but nothing like 23 million. And now I live in a college town with Without the college students, I'd be lucky for us to get to 23,000. So your orders of magnitude, population difference, how is that in tight quarters supposedly trying to social distance or quarantine or keep away from each other? Or is that even the case? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been really interesting, um, um, the least to say. I think that for, um, so just to give context, uh, my 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 wife and kids. My kids were born in the U.S. and uh, my wife moved there when she was five. And so, um, although we are ethnically from the country that we are serving it, uh, for my family and even for me, last 16 years I've been in the U.S. And so, for all of us, it's been a big transition, um, just to get to learn the rhythm. You know, it it it, it we gave ourselves a year just to. Kind of get some feet under us uh, yeah. to be present here. Um, so for the last uh, three months, it's been great because uh, you know it felt like there was a lot of grace to transition well. And uh, for my kids and uh, my wife, uh, we live in an apartment community, which is uh, the whole complex. It's like a big township. It's about forty thousand people. Yeah, that's big. And big so, as my town. <laughs> yes. So it's been. Uh, the the city, 51% of the city lives on 12 to 14% of the land. So uh-huh. you have some of Asia's largest slums here. And so the density of population is about 90,000 people per square mile. Uh-huh. And so in, in those areas. And so, uh, so clearly with that comes all kinds of complexities. We have been on a pretty strict lockdown. It's an honor shame culture. Yeah. And so... Uh, when the government gives an order, uh, you know, people keep it. And it is, a, um, especially in the current political uh, climate here, uh, there is, you know, loyal adherence to what the central government says. And so uh, pretty much, 
you can I can actually look down and see the podium and the walking trail and all of those things. Um, but there's no one that steps out of the apartment. Unlike America, so, yeah. where nobody has any honor or any shame, and people are going to the beach when they're on orders to not be there. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, it's been it's been those that part has been hard, you know, for my kids to look down and see the garden and basketball court and all of those things, and uh, not being able to go. And they've been really good. You know, we've been. This is uh, we're we're about twenty days in to our lockdown. There's this conversations of this being extended, and so. Um, so, I mean, we don't really know what, what this looks like. There's been some unique opportunities that has opened up, you know, to meet people and to serve the city. Uh, but uh, uh, this this transition has been very new. So all of us are trying to figure out, you know, how to live in this space well. Yeah, it's it's been a fascinating conversation around the world to hear everyone dealing with circumstances that are just perplexing and you know, from reacting kind of my early response was like, they canceled the NCAA wrestling tournament. And I was just mad, you know, like what? They can't do that. Um, and my son and I usually go on a trip together to, you know, the, the political divide in our country has shown itself more where folks are taking this more or less seriously or, or the two right concerns. I think the whole world has is like, okay, uh, public health and individual health, but also uh, public economic health and, you know, families being able to survive these kinds of conversations are intention because nobody uh, anywhere uh, has dealt with these circumstances before. And I can only imagine being three months in into a city quite larger than the one you lived before. Are you guys doing like push-up competitions with your boys? Are you doing like video games together? What? How are the boys uh so specifically, I know your daughter's there too, but I think boys bounce off the wall really quickly. Yeah, we have been, you know, I mean, trying to be creative and uh, every every space has been converted to, you know, some kind of creative thing to burn energy. So the table tennis <laughs> uh, or the, ping, the dining table is a ping pong uh, <laughs> table right now. And so the boys are definitely, they're hitting that, that, that space where they've been patient enough. And so... We, we try to do some soccer in, in the balcony, and uh, they, sometimes they go out and just shout. We have about <laughs> five, five mosques around us, and so, you know, this is a, I mean, this is all completely new to the boys. Are they the calling back to the minaret when the call of prayer goes out? Do they yell back? <laughs> they, they are, they are, actually. They are, you know, so it's been... So it's been, a, it's been a completely new learning experience uh, for them. Uh, and the other other uh, concern is that there's a lot of fear and panic yeah. uh, and anxiety because the lockdown is working out for the small percentage of upper middle class folks who can afford a lockdown. Right. 50%, almost 50% of the country is uh, daily or weekly wage earners. Mm. And so it is uh, hitting that boiling point where migrant workers are, literally trying to walk 300, 400 kilometers back to their villages and dying on the way. Uh, just to uh, eat, so probably, a, just to get very, food and water. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. very tragic and uh, scary situation. Wow. Yeah, I think I read yesterday where even in America they said that this is a you know, middle-class uh, quarantine kind of thing that where sheltering in place is certainly um, when you have home and food security, it's different than when you don't, for sure. Right. Well, Brent, man, sorry to leave you out there for a little while. Uh, London, lots of people have lots of opinions on Londons, but there's many Londons, obviously, uh, parts of the city and different things. And so 
I know you went over there um, on assignment with work and have been there, what, two, three years now, maybe? Yeah, three years now. Wow, wow. Tell us what it's like being, uh, and I imagine if it's anything similar to the States, you're probably working very hard as a as a bank person. I'm ready to throw my bank people out the window because they're not doing their job. Um, but I never feel that way about you. In fact, I think your bank has their act together in the States on some some issues. But how how is life as a bank guy in London, obviously, you've been there a little longer. The the language barrier that Paul faces, you don't. You, you, they speak some things and that sound like English and not English in London, I suppose. Uh, if you're a West Ham fan, uh, but how how are things there for you? Yeah, for us, in many ways, we haven't had to deal with some of like the logistical challenges that maybe Paul has with you know being new to a city. We've been here for for three years. This is home for us now. You know, this is everything set up. This is our sort of normal rhythm and routine here. It's just something Paul said actually resonated with me, that idea that like you live in Paris, but you don't feel like you're in Paris. And I, I was actually watching with my son an hour or two ago, the British classic movie Paddington, you know, and I'm watching like the scenes of London they do a great job of, you know, showing different parts of the city. And I had that same realization, like I'm living in this city and I haven't seen these things for, for over a month. You know, I haven't been on, the London Underground, which is the subway system here, I haven't been on that in a month. I haven't the tube, been, you know, the tube. I haven't been on. You know, I haven't been more than a couple miles on a jog away from our flat now in in close to a month. And of course, you know, I, I work in East London. We live in Northwest London. Our church is in East London. We travel a lot, and so we're just so used to being all over the place. And you know, the first couple of weeks, it's kind of felt like this novelty, like okay, you're working from home, and now. Yeah, it's starting to set in. Like we are, we are on lockdown, and we're not getting around, and we're not sort of experiencing the normal rhythms that we have. Um, you know, for us, you know, the, the work from home thing is it's unique. I mean, you know, Paul talked about you know sort of the blessing of his 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 apartment in, in Paris. We have a two bedroom flat in London. It's more than enough for us. Um, but with me working from home, I mean, it's it's a challenge. My <laughs> wife is taking care of a very uh, crazy and, and active three-and-a-half-year-old and a, and, and a nine-month-old and trying to manage naps and schedules and homeschool while I sit in our living room. And I'm on meetings, you know, throughout the day, and I've had a couple of busy weeks these last few weeks, and so I'm, I'm working through dinner into the night, and, and she's having to, you know, for the most part, try to keep kids quiet. I mean, I, I'm sure this is the case for most companies. People know this is not normal. People know that kids are going to be loud and that you're going to hear dogs barking and you're going to have issues that are not normal to everyday work. And I think people respect that, but you're still trying to, you know, keep the kids quiet as much as you can. And so for us, it's been a challenge. I think we we've settled into as best of a routine as we can, but, you know, taking my normal work routine and bringing it into our house um, has has certainly been a a unique challenge. And I I always say I'm married to such a strong woman. Of course, Reed, you know that, I mean, she's able thankfully to, to do it, to, to manage our boys, it's not easy, and she has tough days, um, tough parts of every day, but we, we've been able, thankfully, to, 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 do, to do a pretty good job, I guess, keeping all things together and keeping work going, but, but yeah, it's been interesting to, to manage that in a, a small two-bedroom flat in the middle of the city. I can say this about all three of the gentlemen on the call. They've married uh, legendary women. Um, yep. Uh, I'm tempted to tell the story about, um, you know, people have these stories about, hey, I'm going to have a home birth. And, you know, they got their little baby pool or something and people are chanting and this kind of weird stuff. But uh, Tara had a home birth of an unexpected 
uh, nature, which I will not share that story because that's her private business. Uh, but she is a beast and a wonderful uh, person, leader. Uh, she used to run the books of our church, which uh, working with her was just a, a blessing. I remember when we planted the church, I didn't have an office outside of the home at all, and I had the whole set up. And you walk in the front door, you walk into my office, and my son was two. And I remember this tension, Brent, you may be feeling it, where you want to look at your wife and say, I'm working right now, and you don't want to tell your kids to go away because you're a dad and you want them to come to you always. And But it's like this tension where you need your wife to kind of uh, – you know, get thing one and thing two away from you so you can work. But then it's this, uh, you feel this ambivalent tension inside building up like, Argh! so much respect to you guys in the flats, um, in the big cities around the world, uh, managing those things, um, together. Brent, I won't ask you what it's like to be a banker. I need empathy, but not yet. So I'll ask you that uh, next week because I'm sure you're working very hard and getting everything in place for all the people. Uh, but I still want to be angry for a moment at my bank. So I'm going to switch over to um, uh, uh, the coronavirus in your community. What What is happening? You, some of you have already mentioned some of the strictures placed on your family, uh, whether they're obeying it or not. But also uh, talk a little bit about how you might be uh, connecting to your church communities, uh, serving others either virtually or if you're able to serve in person. Um, just um, how about JT, you, you go first, and then uh, Paul, then Brent on that. Yeah, so the the context that I'm in is uh, uh, quite a layered uh, in the sense that there are 22 official languages uh, in the country, and all those people groups are represented in the city. And so... Um, there are, like I had mentioned, there's been uh, opportunities to, uh, well, this, this, first of all, this uh, context is very connected virtually. And so 92% of this population has got a cell phone that has some kind of a data package. So, mm. um, so it's, been, it's, uh, it's been interesting because a lot of the churches um, have um, seamlessly, you know, moved into the online platforms and, uh, um, I was talking to a few of my friends who are local church planners, and they were saying that they are getting almost 100% participation online wow. you know, with the community. And so it's been it's been good to, um, although it is still weird, I'm still getting used to the idea of virtually meeting people <laughs> in a Zoom space. Um, but it's been it's been good. I mean, I think that there is a a lot of consistency. People meeting together in the afternoon to pray and people meeting in Zoom rooms and community groups and uh, uh, service and things like that. We, uh, we also, uh, uh, so we, we are uh, partnering with uh, of another friend, church planter here in, in our neighborhood, in our town. And then we got permission from the local police to, because we heard of uh, a community nearby, a slum community nearby where about uh, 75 migrant workers uh, are kind of left behind. They could not make it back to their villages now that all transportation has stopped there in that in in this uh, slum community. And so uh, we uh, are we are partnering with the local political outfit to actually get some food for them. Mm. And so every afternoon we go out, uh, drive out in there um, to uh, provide some uh, lunch for about seventy five people. And so that's been that's been great to. Um, meet people and serve uh, alongside. This is, it's interesting because the political faction that we are, the, the group that we are working with would normally uh, push back heavy against any kind of gospel work, but uh, uh, they are, they have opened us open. I mean, they're, they've welcomed us with open arms to 
uh, serve. They're the gatekeepers of their community. So they are helping us actually. In fact, today I talked to one of their leaders and we're looking at the possibility of setting up a community kitchen wow. uh, there because there might be a possibility of a, uh, the lockdown extending or getting more stricter. And so they're trying to, uh, the government is trying to make sure that there is no cross-contamination from one community to another. And so we are looking at the possibility of starting a community kitchen from within this slum community so that they can serve uh, their own people and there'll be more buy-in from their community. So things like that has been happening. JT, um, if, you, if you guys were to do that, I know you, just you and not your family are going out, serving, coming back. If, if that were to take place, would you have to stay there? Uh, no, not so that that's why you know we we are moving towards uh, uh, a community kitchen model, okay. you know, so that we get, we can actually get them dry grocery, you know, online and uh, provide stay within them the community. So can, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. When you go out, um, are you wearing a mask? Uh, is your wife oh, yeah. is your wife freaking out about you going out and coming back? My, I go to the grocery store, and my wife makes me burn all my clothes, get into the decontamination room, and she sprays all the groceries, man. It's nuts. Um, is your wife more chill than mine? Yeah, she's pretty chill. You know, she's, uh, uh, you know, of course, we are uh, making sure that we follow all the precautions, and we. I don't do the distribution. I actually uh, work with a local caterer and get the food and pass it on to uh-huh. the the group group there and they do the distribution and we have our full protective gear masks gloves all of that yeah. um, goggles and things like that um, but it's just literally we found another community right next door which has got about 250 men women and children that don't have any food at all okay and so now we're trying to so the, I mean the need is just just crazy here so I mean, trying to work with in a in a systematic manner, trying to work with uh, people, local people, uh, making sure that we do that prudently, you know. Uh, but yet, uh, step into some of these needs. Uh, the the interesting thing in kind of twenty first century um, global culture today, uh, you, you guys all know that historically, um, people who follow Jesus have stepped in to serve the sick, create hospitals, even in times of plague. The interesting thing about this one is that I, I know many people who would willingly go and serve amongst the dying, even at great uh, pain or risk to their own lives. Uh, but today it's kind of the opposite, where at least in our country, you know, where there's more um, organized Christian religion, there's pressure if you are, are breaking quarantine or churches that aren't ceasing gathering quick enough. Believe it or not, we still have some folks that need to shut stuff down. Um it's such a tension between how do I serve when I'm not supposed to be present with people, but yet yes. thank God for virtual technologies like Zoom. If you use Zoom, make sure if you have a Mac, you've updated your operating system and your Zoom software because they, there is a spying issue with webcams. And then also um, keep your Zoom software up to date because people are Zoom bombing. We had a tragic, not tragic, it's probably an overstatement, but for me it feels tragic. Our, our kids were in a fellowship of Christian athletes uh uh, leadership meeting and their their Zoom got um, invaded with some pretty nasty pornography, um, oh, wow. and so make sure you're keeping your software up to date. Zoom is supposedly on a 90 day hackathon to fix their stuff, which has been known for years their privacy and security issue. But it's still a gift to be able to connect virtually uh, with others when you're supposed to stay away. Um, and when you're a community of believers, it's wonderful to hear uh, JT that 
you know, the high participation of people with their congregations. Uh, Paul, what are you guys seeing in Paris with your uh, small group of followers of Jesus there in this time? Yes. Yeah, so, so like JT, we are planting a church. Um, <clears throat> it might be a little further along. It's been here about two, two years now. And our immediate thought was just um, how can we uh, connect with people and make sure they connect with one another? And how can we care for people and make sure that people are caring for one another? Um, in France, you know, it was March 17th, I believe, or the 16th that the confinement started. Uh, our kids were no longer uh, welcomed at school, uh, and the the orders have kind of become more strict. Uh, they've done one revision where you have to have a piece of paper to go out and kind of explain why you're out, and you get technically one hour a day to do kind of leisure activities if you want to go run, and it's supposed to be within a kilometer of your uh, location. And so, you know, in that in that environment, our immediate thought was just, uh, how do we? Obviously, we're not going to meet. We're going to we're going to care for others by not meeting. In fact, I think in France, supposedly one of the first transmissions that really affected a lot of people with the virus, it was because of an evangelical, I believe, it was a charismatic kind of conference. Mm. And some French politicians have used it, and uh, in, in news reporters have kind of used it to slander uh, evangelical Christians, which already have kind of a yeah. tenuous. Uh, public perception. Some people think it's kind of cultish. Yeah, well, since and the revolution, so, uh, there's been an interesting relationship between the French uh, state and religion. Um, and so I can imagine public witness in, in the negative sense with something like that can be very injurious to to the work. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so our, our immediate thought was, how do you submit to the government here? They're not asking us to do anything ungodly, right? right? Uh, although we, we believe that gathering together as believers in person is uh, very important, right? You can't replace church with virtual church, but— No virtual like communion, said, right? Not, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, which is my doctoral thesis is on uh, the sacraments. But, oh, wow. But, uh, but uh, you know, so we just immediately thought we can submit to this, honor the request, um, and, but, but we, we want to— connect with people. So we've done online home groups on Wednesday nights. I've led those discussions. We switched, uh, at least with our church plant, the uh, regular priest from First Peter to kind of a essentials to discipleship. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that was my, my immediate thought was, you know, I think it's going to be tempting. We know people in Brent's situation where they have really high responsibility jobs, and uh, some of them are just working even more yeah. uh, right now. And, uh, and then there's others who are, uh, you know, in school and they're, they're getting the full workload, uh, just doing online classes. And then there's others who are, who don't have as much they can do. And so there's a lot of different people in different situations and depending on where they live, if they have a backyard or access to a park that's not fenced in because all the parks here are, are locked up. And so you just kind of begin to realize right away, you really cannot assume, uh, how people are doing or what they're going through unless you check in on them and let them kind of share. And then discipleship, you know, for people, if, if they're not coming to church every week and they're not coming to small groups, then it, as pastors, really our responsibility is to make sure that we can cast a vision for how to be a disciple of, of Jesus right now. Um, and really, I think I think it's been good for us to go back to teaching on the basics of discipleship 
uh, you know, and we've already started, you know, what, is, what does it mean to be gospel-centered? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to trust in the sufficiency of Scripture for our life and practice and doctrine? And uh, hopefully are encouraging people to see this as, a, in God's providence, an opportunity uh, to grow. And even in the, even in the fact that uh, we are restricted and we recognize that. Um, and, you know, you've seen that on, on social media, a lot more people sharing and uh, trying to put encouraging things out there. And uh, It's been know, less toxic, that, that's for sure. The Internet culture has been much more uh, agreeable to one another, and that's been a good change for, for the kind of virtual world. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a challenge, and we've tried to, tried to attack that with uh, really trying to reach out to people and, and be, uh, be consistent and then calling them to – to you know, the biggest thing to me has been a desire to pray with other believers. Yeah, and it has been sweet to get together on Wednesday night and have ten people on a video call and and pray together, and then and then do Bible study just like we normally do. But but I hope people that just highlights for them, uh, you know, hey, it's not just about going and receiving something. Uh, as believers, we are wanting to share our lives. We're wanting to pour out, uh, pray for one another share with one another, um, care for one another. So I'm hoping that just highlights it for people in the absence of being together physically. Amen. Well, I mean, you and JT both have kind of a church planting setting, and uh, uh, Brent and I are are not, uh, you, Brent, you're not a pastor right now. You're not an elder, a lay elder, or anything in your church, are you? Nope. Okay, so neither am I. So you and I are non-pastors on the call, so to speak. What is it like in, for you being a member of a church, obviously that you usually have to get on the underground to get to probably, um, mentioned your geography in London. What is it like for you as somebody's working? Uh, obviously, there are, there are no secular jobs. All, all things unto the Lord are holy. As a holy banker uh, in London, as a member of a church, how, how are you connecting with others in community? And what, what roles do you have in your church community? And how, do, how are those continuing now? You're coining all kinds of good terms. I think holy banker, that's the first time I, <laughs> I, I've, I've heard that one. Frisian Paul and the holy banker. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we're, we're actually part of a church plant as well. The church has been on the ground in London now uh, for a few years, um, you know, like, churches really around the globe we, we've gone to virtual church as of a few weeks ago i think uh, tomorrow i think will be our, our third sunday in a row um we do kind of a live stream so they record it early sunday morning and then they they post it at 11 a.m on sunday morning and then we're encouraged to to gather in our homes and you know to at the same to time into at the same time yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. To, to try to reflect sort of the normal you know, this is not a normal time, but to try to keep the normal rhythm of, of Sunday and, and, and worship and, and the time of teaching. In fact, tomorrow we're going to try to do communion together. So we're going to see how it works, but we're going to try to get on Zoom and get them, Paul. break bread, break bread together. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been it's been interesting. And I, I, I can echo similar things that the guy said, you know, for us, we, we lead a community group. And so we've, we've tried to keep the same routine there. So we meet on Wednesday nights. And so we've of course, we've moved that to virtually, and so Wednesday nights we get together and we, we try to keep our normal flow. We, you know, open up the Bible. We we talk through what we're you know hearing from on Sundays. Um, we've also started to meet after the Sunday gathering virtually as well, um, trying as best we can to replace the normal you know high five, a hug, the handshake that you would have on Sunday mornings. Um, we spend time together, just reflecting on the weekend, spending some time in prayer, just checking in on each other. 
I mean, I think that's the big thing. You just worry with for yourself, for others, the isolation. Um, you know, we're all on some kind of a lockdown right now. And so you don't want people to feel isolated. You don't want to feel isolated yourself. And so we're trying to leverage technology as much as we can uh, to create a vehicle that people can can share needs, can can share prayer requests, can talk about the good things that are going on, can can talk about the bad things that are going on. Um, in terms of service, we're trying to keep it as like hyper local as we can. Um, you know, given the fact that we are all encouraged and in some cases, you know, mandated not to, to, to go out or when we do go out to, to do it as infrequently as possible. And so, you know, we're trying to encourage people to, to just check in like as local as possible. You know, most of us live in some kind of apartment block or building, you know, check in on your neighbors, check in on those that are, are as immediately close to you as possible. Try to do as much as you can. Um, you know, you, you don't have to create some huge thing across the city, you know, Lord willing, if those things happen, that's great. But we're just trying to encourage our team to say, Hey, like just check on your immediate neighbors. How are they doing? You know, do people need you to go run and get food for them? You know, just what are very simple, practical things that you can do given um, the the close proximity that we're all living in um, as we're on lockdown. All all of you guys are in kind of major global cities and in the sense that not that you're, you know, in different countries, but in the sense that there are people from different countries and groups of peoples from all over the world in your cities, have you guys, does your, you know, your local friend group or your church plant or your, or your church have uh, what you would might say expats, internationals, people from different continents even together? And how are they doing uh, in that time if they're separated from family? Well, it's been really interesting in London because, you know, we've, we've had, lots of friends that have, have left London. Um, you know, we've, we, we've had a, a couple of different American friends where different reasons, some work related, some, you know, some of our best friends here, they've got two children. Uh, one was two and one was six weeks old. And so for them going on lockdown with them trying to work from home with no help, like it just, it didn't seem feasible to stay, you know, so they went home for, you know, the extended period of time. We've got friends that have left for Hong Kong, friends that have left for Germany where they've decided, you know, if if we're going to be locked down, we need to either go back and be with family uh, to help or um, to be helped. And that's been one of the sort of the byproducts of this. I don't think, you know, maybe people outside of big cities aren't thinking about like very, very real decisions that people are making that that says essentially, okay, if I'm going to be locked down, where should I be locked down? Should I stay in my city or should I go home either to, to benefit from being close to family or to help my family because I think they're going to be, they're going to be struggling. And JT, you mentioned people going back to their smaller contacts and villages and even at great uh, danger to their own lives. Um, and you, are you seeing kind of international peoples in your building or, or that, you know, that uh, kind of feeling tension of being away from home? Yeah. Yeah. So many countries um, are calling back, um, international the expats you know to come back you know um, i know that several of uh, our friends from the u.s uh, have been called back and so the uh, there are there are actually uh, planes that are being facilitated for that so there are several people that we know that have uh, left back uh, to the u.s um, and in 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 some parts especially the semi uh, uh, rural parts there's also like a collective um uh, in, there are it's isolated incidents, but there's um, also a little bit of uh, uh, 
uh, push back against uh, people that are non-local. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, so that's we're starting to see uh, isolated incidents here and there. And so, uh, most of the expat community is uh, on alert. Uh, our our city has a large expat community, and it's a it's a city of multiple cultures. So. Yeah. Uh, the government is, you know, very strict about uh, any kind of uh, pushback like that. Yeah. Uh, but we don't, we haven't seen any of that here. But that is happening in other parts of the country. Uh, but we we've, we've seen several uh, uh, expat uh, community, uh, friends who choose to stay, and then there are several uh, people that have, uh, for a season, you know, choose to go back, uh, mm-hmm. like Brent mentioned, back to their home home countries. Yeah, our daughters had a. Um... Uh, exchange student from the Netherlands on their soccer team that once things got uh, determinative on isolating and things like that, they, they actually, she had to leave. Um, and it was kind of really upsetting for these girls cause they, she wanted to stay, they wanted her to stay. It was very difficult. Also, I think there's a, an othering that we have to avoid. We've seen some ugly stuff, at least in social media context of, you know, a anti-Asian American uh, discrimination in light of, you know, the, the Wuhan orient, orient, origination of the virus. And I think the church obviously has a wonderful opportunity, uh, particularly in places where we're in a college town, so we do have internationals from all over the world uh, and one of the best engineering schools in America. So we have people from all over the world uh, where the church as a family of families, as a people of peoples has a wonderful opportunity to continue to live that way and to welcome one another in. Paul, you guys have folks from around the world who are part of your uh, gospel church community there? Yeah, so we are, you know, targeting internationals in many ways. And so um, we certainly have, it's a little bit, you know, it's interesting when you think about in global cities, what does that even mean to be an international yeah. Uh, some people, obviously, like us, Americans, you know, people in Brenton's situation might be on a work assignment. And so there's a little more of clear lines culturally. And then we have we have people who are internationals but have been here for a long time. And so they are they're they're totally immersed in French, yeah. con- French yeah. context. Right. Yeah. And they're they're speaking French at work all day. But for whatever reason, uh, they, they feel drawn to English speaking uh, church ministry and, and community. Uh, we had a lot of – Abby and I had just taken taken over coordination of a young adult ministry That's that's been a great outreach for our church for uh, for many years in the city. And uh, we had our last meeting the Thursday before lockdown, and uh, most of our – not most of – many of our students, uh, you know, all of a sudden were recalled uh, to their home countries or just made more sense for them to be with family. Um, and they could do all their work online. And so, yeah, I think in many ways the the lockdown and, and the international presence it, it's put a question mark on some of that for at least certain kinds of people, mm-hmm. uh, students being a big one. And, uh, you know, I've asked several of them, are you planning on coming back? And, uh, you know, they're not sure. Yeah. Uh, some of them, it might have been coinciding with their departure uh, in the summer anyway. And so, you know, for us that means, you know, Depending on how the the economic impact, you know, uh, it could be that people just return in the fall and kind of a new, you know, new start with new folks coming in. Or, you know, if depending on the economic results of yeah. all this, you know, the, the whole global uh, makeup, I think, could change. Uh, although I wouldn't expect dramatically, but, you know, I do wonder 
yeah. uh, what the change will be as far as international presence here. Paris is a very global city, though, so it's, it's a big part of the population. It's, a, it's very interesting where this crisis has both delayed timelines, like people are moving, like I've spent, I canceled six events for my ministry, as well as some things I do with a, a global church planting network, just moving stuff down the road into the future. Like, oh, we can't, we got to cancel everything, move it down. But there's also things that kind of get accelerated. Um, and things like, well, this might've been students going home in the summer. Now they're just gone now. Um, and certainly I think, um, in a world where ideas are in conflict and certainly um, there are revolutionary visionary people that I'm sure uh, would like to use this time for societal change to accelerate that as well. So it'll be a very interesting time for all of us uh, as we see what comes out of this. And really um, on the podcast, I've been playing the cricket sound of uh, what we know about the future uh, because really we don't know, but here's the wonderful privilege of, of knowing Christ is that, we not only know the one who knows the future, but holds it, um, depending on where you come from theologically, how, how much God determines it, but also leads the future. Let's just say it that way. As we close up here, guys, today, I want to just ask a real honest question of how your family's doing, how you're coping. I mean, last night, um, I've had a couple times last night. I felt like, man, I'm starting to feel like this is Groundhog Day, which is an American movie, obviously, where the same day happens over and over again. Um, and then a few nights ago, um, you know, obviously I, I lead a small nonprofit that's dependent on donations, lots from churches and individuals and thinking downstream. And I'm a planner and I had a real anxious moment where I just woke my wife up even out of a sleep and said, Hey, can you pray for me? And it was kind of a kindness from her to hold my hand and pray with me at night. And so, and then there's other moments I'm like, man, I, don't, I just want to get out, get out of there on them streets again and do some work for the kingdom. How are you guys doing personally, family wise? I mean, you know, you don't have to tell me if your wife's having a nervous breakdown, whatever, but, um, if you're doing great, thriving, surviving concerns, uh, just kind of final word, how are you guys all coping with, uh, this season? I think, uh, it's probably fitting to say that every day we run through the gamut of emotions, the highs, the lows, the, the times of, of, of normalcy as normal as, as you can be in these moments. But yeah, I mean, the days are, the, the days have, difficulties they have highs i mean for us to have young kids it's it's even for me personally like the working from home thing is a challenge but in between meetings i can take five minutes and, and check on the boys i can pick up my little baby when he wakes up from a nap you know I, I can't do those things when i'm in the office and so in many ways both tara and i have been trying to just look at the blessings of like this the slowness of of our lives um when you, when you live and work in a big city it's it, it can be chaotic and so for us, especially during this season of our family, having two young children, we, we tried to to really be thankful for just the amount of time that we're getting to spend with our yeah. our young children to to make an impact on their lives and, and just little things that we can put into practice has has been great. But you know, it's it's also very difficult, right? I mean, I mentioned earlier my wife trying to sort of keep both boys active and taken care of while I'm working. Um, you know. The weather is changing. You know, today it's over 60 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be close to 70 degrees. I do worry <laughs> that um, as the weather gets warmer, people start to not follow the rules as much, and then lockdowns get more significant. And so, yeah. you know, for us having two young kids in a small flat, like the ability, to, the the ability to get outside is even for an hour, even for 45 minutes, is is, is so critical. 
you know, it's, it's not like suburbia where, you know, if you own a home, you, you have probably a front yard. You, you, you may probably have a backyard that no matter what, you can get outside, see some grass and, and kind of do your thing. When you live in a city, you're very much at the mercy of um, your, your peers in that city following the rules so that everybody can yeah. get outside. And so that's something we're a bit worried about. But, you know, we trust the Lord that if that comes, that he'll sustain us. But, you know, I think for us, we're doing well. But I think the best way I can describe it is literally every day you, you sort of have every emotion, every high, every low. Um, and thankful, of course, that we can trust and anchor on the Lord who, who carries us through. Amen. Amen. I, I, I have thanked God more than once, probably every day that I have children that are 18, 16 and 13. Um, because in many ways we have five adults now our the amount of food that's being consumed is daunting. Um, but the amount of things that I know that you brothers are dealing with, with little, little bitty kids, um, well, Godspeed, God bless, and God be with you. Um, <laughs> uh, teenagers can roll their eyes, but they also can fold the laundry and do what they're told and stay off the uh, Netflix in the morning so we can podcast. So how, how about you other guys? How are things in, in the home and the heart and just uh, with your own perspective? Yeah, I can jump in real quick. So <clears throat> I think I think the way Brent put it is, yeah, is, is right on. You know, there's there's a gambit of emotions every day. Um, Abby, my wife, has been homeschooling, and thankfully she has a background in teaching. Although she would say she's a legendary you know, teacher. My kids had her. She, she was their art yeah, teacher. Yeah. yeah. She, she would say, you know, an art teacher is different than someone who's a general, you know, elementary teacher who knows a lot more. But I see her skills, you know, just at work. But it's exhausting, and uh, you know, kids having to learn uh, to respect and to listen because they're acting like they would with their parents, not how they would with their teachers at school. But uh, I think she's doing a fantastic job, and I've been encouraged. And I've kind of realized as I'm trying to get work done, uh, you know, that the the way to make this better is, you know, for us to really work together uh, really carefully and closely and. Uh, we've been working out every day, you know, just to get our sanity and get in a little better shape. Um, you know, today, I think when we're talking, she's working on our family photo book. And I've been telling her, you know, like, I'd love for you to do that. It would make me so happy. Uh, not just because I know that would make her happy. She's amazing at that stuff, too. Yeah, she's amazing at that kind of thing. So, uh, but, you know, she would say, and I think this kind of epitomizes the situation. It's just, you know, uh, I think someone... Someone in the news uh, related to the president recently said something about how, oh, take this time to learn a new language and, and uh, you know, do these all, all these cool things you could do when you have more time <laughs> at home. And, and uh, yeah, for people like us with, with little kids, yeah. uh, Abby's not, Abby's not going to be learning Russian right now. Uh, or, <laughs> how or about Japanese? Yeah. <laughs> or even working on her French, yeah. uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I think I've realized as a husband, if I can, if I can... <clears throat> try to help her create that space where, you know, there's some peace and quiet and she's not worn out and tired. Um, but you know, we have family movie nights. We just try to try to, you, you almost have to attack each day kind of strategically. And, and like Brent said, I mean, I think we, we feel like we fail as much as we succeed, but overall I yeah. do think, uh, we are going to see God's grace through this. Uh, I, I would say definitely, I feel like we've grown closer as a family. Um, and, and I will say, I, I think you probably would appreciate this read, but we've, I've tried personally to just keep my phone on the charger. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. My funny thing to is my head and heart. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, my kids are on a pretty tight leash in terms of screen time on their phones, particularly my oldest who is actually on the gram and very, very social person. And, uh, one of the big wins for me was to proactively, uh, extend her amount of time she's allowed on Instagram each day without her asking, I, man, I thought I had like hung the moon or something. I, I got, <laughs> I got big points and prizes for that. But yeah, screen time, we know it's going to be up probably, but yeah, put it on the charger. Um, so we can talk and be with one another. I, interesting enough, I think there is data that, um, loneliness and isolation actually weakens the immune system. I'll see if I can find a, uh, arc, the article I read the other day and put that in the show notes. So I'm just joking around and telling my kids I have to hug them more because um, they need physical contact. So I'm just getting a, uh, an extra little hug time in as well. Now, JT, your your wife is a fantastic writer because I've been reading some of her things, updating uh, the world on on you guys. But how how is it at home? And I mentioned Thing 1 and Thing 2 earlier as a you know Cat in the Hat, uh, Dr. Seuss book joke. Um, little boys can turn into Thing 1 and Thing 2 for sure. Uh, but how how would you say you guys are doing, coping, thriving, surviving over over there uh, in Asia? Yeah, I, I resonate with uh, Paul and Brent. Um, I think uh, you know there are there are it's it's a mix. We we are um, learning to be present moment by moment. Um, it is a um, I mean just the the unfamiliarity and the newness of the context and just the uncertainty of everything um, that everybody else globally is uh, 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 processing uh, brings in all brings out all kinds of you know things from your heart so um, the, the good things are I mean this my, so my wife is consistent she's homeschooling as well so mm-hmm. um, by the grace of God she's been um, she's been gaining a lot of grounds you know we are learning we have not homeschooled for long so she's learning in uh, um, so she, the boys have been responding well to that. Um, we, um, uh, I think there's a deep sense of camaraderie, you know, uh, a deeper sense of camaraderie, uh, uh, with, uh, my wife and I are experiencing in this season, uh, to just sit down and talk about where we are and, uh, you know, uh, process things and pray together. And then there's also, um, uh, there's, there's, uh, in, in all honesty, there's, there are some incredible opportunities that have come out of this mm-hmm. um, to be present with people. Uh, Cheryl um, has been um, a resource person for uh, online counseling. Mental health and emotional health is a huge thing here now. Uh, so there's uh, there's that happening. You know, there's I feel like in one sense there's more engagement with people uh, now, and that's one of the things that's because we are here to plant, one of the things that I was really discouraged about initially when everything locked down was how are we supposed to even meet with people? Yeah. Because uh, all of our all of our all of our dinners and things that we had slated on the calendar were in person, and so all of that went out of the window. But uh, uh, in beautiful ways, the Lord has been opening up opportunities where we are connecting with people that we we have we we don't know we are connecting with them through friends networks. Uh, and who have been responding uh, and asking? We're walking with you know uh, with a couple doing their premarital counseling online. Wow! Um, and so, so all kinds of things like there's a local church that's approached uh, to um, help us. I mean, we are new in the city, so it's it's pretty amazing that that you know things like this. It's a miracle that things like that will happen. That God is giving us relationships of trust where a 
local churches uh, approached uh, us to kind of help craft their care plan, you know, yeah. their care care process. And so, so it's been it's been good just trying to. There are multiple opportunities with trying to discern together, um, you know, which which of those are what God is calling us to engage, um, and uh, and how to do that in a way where we are fully present here. Uh, even in the midst of this lockdown. So overall, um, I would say man, that we are doing well by the grace of God. Um, and there is a clear sense of our Lord's presence and our Lord's near, nearness. And when all the things that we had planned for has gone out of the window, um, you know, it is. I think it is, it is clearing my heart to take the invitation of deeper dependency on the Lord. Amen. And you... so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. Amen. It's almost as society has closed down, God is opening people's hearts up and um, our own hearts and the hearts of our our neighbors. I know we, we have a wonderful group of people in our neighborhood that are just extending kindness to one another. Um, and I do sense a real openness uh, to what the Lord is doing that um, in the season to come, um, I just pray that we would be ready to love and to serve as Jesus seeks uh, and saves through his people. Well, final final uh, shout out to you guys, a little call. If you got any final parting shots, parting words you'd like to share in a you know quick minute or two as we close up here? I would just say one thing Tara and I were talking about this morning is just not to lose sight of the joy that is ahead. There will be a day when, when we will be reunited. And, you know, I was, Tara was reading this morning in First Thessalonians, and, and Paul just talking about how eagerly he awaited to to be reunited with with that church. And and for us, just thinking about the things you take for granted, going to church on Sunday and hugging your friends and worshiping together. Just we oftentimes not talk about how amazing that's going to be when it happens again. And football um, coming back, know, Brent, that'll be amazing too, won't it? And and, and soccer and football and sports <laughs> coming back to our televisions <laughs> would also be a, a celebratory thing, but. We're trying not to lose sight of that. Like this, someday this this will this will go, and and we'll be able to to be reunited with our our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and man, it's good. That first Sunday is going to be it's going to be a fun time for all of us for sure. Amen. Yeah, I would just say you know a lot of I've I've even gotten anxious thinking about the future. You know, like like you said, Reed, there's this question mark. Uh, and I keep up with economics, and I worry about all that stuff. Probably I don't know anything like what Brent knows. Uh, he knows the real situation. But, uh, you know, I, I do think there can be hope here. Uh, someone had even – I think this was an article I read, uh, you know, where even the U.S., there was maybe – they were writing, you know, that maybe there's hope that there might be more of a more of a coming together in, in the U.S. Uh, cultural, political divide through this. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's Maybe that's idealistic, but – here in France, every night at eight o'clock, uh, literally everyone opens their windows and claps and cheers for the medical workers, nurses, and doctors who are. I don't know why eight o'clock got picked. Uh, I guess it's one of the closing shifts or whatever when people are going home from working the day shift. But uh, you know, everyone is out cheering and clapping and and uh, just without a without any delay. It's always eight o'clock every night, and uh, you know, even here. That's just made me realize, you know, how in God's kindness and providence, uh, yeah, we hope many people come to know Jesus through this time, through reaching out and, and, and just asking the deep questions about what, what life is about, who God is, uh, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. 
But uh, I, I hope there's some solidarity, and I, I want to believe that uh, in faith, that there's uh, a greater solidarity that, that leads to some renewal uh, in, our, in our countries and our cities. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, we expect many more folks will be coming, like Brent was saying, um, to the gathering of the church uh, when we're allowed to meet again. Um, because I think there's going to be a yearning for that community. And we're praying that God would give us the energy and the strength to be ready for that and to meet that, uh, meet that desire in, in people's hearts. So, Amen. There's always a, uh, as someone who has been a pastor for many, many years, there are, there are just clear gatherings where just the Lord does something special and it's very up, very, very emotional, very spiritual presence of God, explosive. And I can only imagine these first worship gatherings back after months are going to be pretty fantastic. So, JT, any final thoughts for us? Yeah, no, I mean, just like uh, uh, the uh, other guys, you know, I think that there is a real opportunity to be, uh, as, as, as the Lord gives strength, to be non-anxious presence, you know, in, uh, I think that's a, just a prophetic witness, you know, in a moment like this, yeah. to... Uh, because it's it, you know these to me it feels like these are moments where there is like a, the things that I know in my head are forced to kind of uh, you know explore in my heart and I have to really face uh, you know how I really hold these things in my heart and so where I find that there are gaps um, inviting the Holy Spirit and asking Him to help me believe yeah um, and to rest you know and hopefully that translates us. Uh, in not in a stoic way, but in a in a real way to be present in our apartment complex. And I mean, one of the things, simple things here is that a lot of people are really uh, 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 fearful of stepping out. Even we're allowed to step out for getting groceries, but a lot of people are fearful. And so that's an opportunity to buy somebody's grocery, mm. you know. And and that was not there before the lockdown. You know, people would not even talk to each other, you know, yeah. in, in the elevator. So. So being being present there, um, as because the, the the all the anxieties of the future, you know, Jesus is already there, you know, yeah. and He's calling us to that future where He is fully present. Amen. So uh, Amen. to remember that and uh, to remind each other that, and uh, just rely on the Lord to be non-anxious presence in this community. Amen. Well, thank you, brothers, for your time. Um, here on the Underground, we're doing a series we just started this past week called the COVID Culture Survival Guide, where we're giving tips and uh, input to others on how to kind of thrive in quarantine. And the first episode that's up now uh, on hope and life together kind of has some recommendations how to stay connected with to God with spiritual disciplines and then creative ways to connect, connect together as families or uh, in other ways when we're in time of quarantine. That's going to continue to roll out over the next few weeks. But all of us here in the Gospel Underground family community are grateful for you guys. Obviously, I, I love each of you and your families. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, you have our prayers and keep uh, keep the U.S. in prayer. This is uh, We're still on the high ramp curve of this thing and certainly our friends up in New York City Metro uh, are facing a real, real challenge. I'm going to close with reading a passage of scripture from the book of First Peter, which has some very appropriate callings on all of us. And it begins this way, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him. Be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And we say, till he returns or calls us home, here in the love of Christ, here in the death of Christ, here in the resurrected power of the risen living Christ, we all live. Thank you, men, for your time today. And I will talk to each of you again here soon. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Give us five stars. We like that. It makes us happy. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground or maybe something you have to contribute to the COVID Culture Survival Guide. Send those to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, and we hope to see you out there in here virtually. As always, thank you, men, for your time today. Peace.